0: Welcome to Across the Margin of the Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Shields. Across the Margin of the Podcast is a proud member of the Osiris Media Group. Head over to osirispod.com and check out the vast array of arts and culture and especially music podcasts they have to offer. That is osirispod.com. In today's episode, I am proud to present an interview with Chris Gibson and Andrew Warren. Chris is a professor of geography at the University of Wollongong, Australia, while Andrew is a senior lecturer in Economic Geography at the same university. They are also the co-authors of The Guitar, Tracing the Grain Back to the Tree, a deeply insightful book which lies at the center of this episode. Guitars inspire cult-like devotion. An aficionado can tell you precisely when and where their favorite instrument was made. The wood it is made from and that wood's unique effect on the instrument's sound. In the guitar, Chris and Andrew follow that fascination around the globe as they trace guitars all the way back to the tree. The authors take us to guitar factories, port cities, log booms, remote sawmills, indigenous lands, and distant rainforests on a quest for behind-the-scenes stories and insights into how guitars are made, where the much-cherished guitar timbers ultimately come from, while introducing you to the people and skills that craft those timbers along the way. Chris and Andrew interviewed hundreds of people to give readers a first-hand account of the ins and outs of production methods, timber milling, and forest custodianship in diverse corners of the world, including the Pacific Northwest, Madagascar, Spain, Brazil, Germany, Japan, China, Hawaii, and Australia. Through it all, they unlocked surprising insights into longer arcs of world history on humans' exploitation of nature, colonialism, industrial capitalism, and cultural tensions. But the authors also strike a hopeful note, offering a parable of wider resonance, of the incredible but underappreciated skill and care that goes into growing forests, felling trees, and milling timber in order to craft these enchanting musical instruments. The guitar promises to resonate with anyone who has ever fallen in love with the guitar. In this episode, you'll hear me talk with Chris and Andrew about the many compelling facets of their comprehensively researched book, including how tracing the roots of the guitar back to the tree can teach profound insights about history and the human condition. Chris and Andrew, in this conversation, pinpoint the exact origins of the modern guitar and examine how climate change is threatening the industry, as well as deforestation and irresponsible harvesting. They tip a hat to all the foresters and those in the guitar industry who are employing forest management techniques to preserve guitar wood for generations to come. It was a great conversation. Chris and Andrew's passion for guitars, for music, for trees, and wood just emanates from the pages of their book, and you can hear it in this talk. Their reporting and research is astounding as we analyze the real and increasing problems affecting the guitar industry. It's clear that they are also great human beings, and so I have no doubt you will enjoy this conversation with Chris Gibson and Andrew Warren. Cross, cross,
1: cross, cross. cross the margin. Cross the margin. Cross the margin. margin chris. Chris. podcast
0: so thank you guys i appreciate it i was just telling chris i i, I love the book It was um as a as a tree lover, um, I, I'm actually studied uh, uh, forest resource management. I, I practice. Uh, I'm a, a certified arborist actually. But uh, well, I saw
2: that in your byline. Yeah, thought, okay, <laughs> we've got an arborist interviewing
0: us. We're in trouble now. <laughs> you guys obviously know your stuff. And um, you know, just as someone who loves music, I mean, there was a lot of worlds combining that was just so fascinating to me. But um, just to jump right in, why not the um, it, what really got me and what I, I was like kind of propelled when reading the book, it was just, there was like an adventure we were taking on. Cause I mean, you guys were jumping all over the place. It was, we were kind of as readers voyaging with you, you know, to India, Brazil, everywhere around, you know, your native country. And I was wondering just the process of uh, how long did this take? Uh, you know, obviously labor of love. What, um, how'd this, uh, how this come to be? It's, it's pretty impressive.
2: Oh, uh, thanks Mark. Yeah. It's, it, uh, look, it was a, it was an adventure that we didn't necessarily anticipate. We didn't plan all along for it to take six years and take us to just about every continent on the planet. We we started off with much more modest goals. We'd we'd actually previously just finished a book on surfboard making, and Andrew can perhaps talk to that in a minute. But mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, it was just one of those things where <laughs> a, a simple little idea: where does the wooden guitars come from? And, <laughs> Um, Could we find those trees that spawned into something much bigger than we ever first imagined?
3: It was a bit of a chance encounter. I guess we'd finished a book in 2014. We happened to be in Hawaii, launching the book, speaking with, and we had really amazing support from some native Hawaiians in writing a book about Mm -hmm. surfboard making and the industry and this revival in Making surfboards the kind of traditional way with with wood, mm. um, and that then just started conversations around some of the timbers that were being used in making surfboards. Koa, kaiju, koa being one of them, mm-hmm. and that had always has always been a really significant timber for surfboard making and for canoe building as well. And we just got talking to Tom Pahaku Stone was a, the person that really helped us he had a lot of connections um we knew that koa was also of course using musical instruments and he just kind of asked us invited us if we wanted to go and have a look at some trees kind of go on a a bit of a, a hunt for for koa in the wild and we kind of jumped at that opportunity and off we went to the big island yeah next thing you know you're jumping all over the place into
0: sawmills and 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 whatnot um chris you just kind of alluded to where i want to go just kind of like this simple thing is wondering you know uh tracing the roots of the guitar back and how it can teach you so many things and it's kind of a really really cool idea how it can these intense topics you know whether it's um colonialism or just how we treat the natural world and um, you know, it's it's wild what we can actually learn from tracing the guitar back. I was wondering if you could speak on a little bit how the guitar and tracing it back, as you did, can actually teach us about histories and cultures of different places.
2: Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, I think you're right there, Mike. We, at one level, we were interested, really in a very particular way in guitars so like who makes guitars what are the specific woods that and that go into their making and the techniques mm. that transform a tree into usable pieces of wood that then go into a guitar so at one level we were asking very kind of technical questions and it was a sort of geeky element to it all mm. In, mm. in lots of ways too yes. um, but the more that we went to places and um, just listened to people talk really and heard their stories and gained a sense of place um whether it be in the pacific northwest or in brazil or Mm. um, here in different parts of australia too uh we realized that these sort of humble guitars these humble pieces of wood are bound up in much bigger stories so the the trees that that give rise to guitars for example um typically come from um uh, moist forests big trees old trees for example and um, so you inevitably get entangled in these questions around, for example, forest management and the way in which we, we steward or or abuse um, forest resources, for example. So it was a little bit like following breadcrumbs into a forest. And as we get in there, we realise that there are these much grander stories and much wider sets of forces at work that, um, that shape the world and shape the humble guitar in lots of ways, too. So, you know, even you could pick up any guitar, really. And um we hope that after reading the book you can start to understand um with you know quite some detail actually what goes into that guitar and realize that the you know the the trees that ultimately gifted you that guitar have potentially come from forests that are several hundred years old that have come from parts of the world where there have been these historical legacies of colonialism of trauma of um significant development and expansion but also places where you have communities who rely on those forest resources for their livelihoods and um, people whose identity and their skill and their very being is kind of bound up in forests and the love of trees and and expertise with wood yeah yeah there was a a really
0: good quote um it was what the charles watkins watkins uh quote the geographer just was speaking about how the forest can tell us stories and forest our landscapes and print it with ancient patterns of uh, power and desire. And you just, yeah, you could really learn a lot about how they're managed or not managed or exploited. Um, It was fun to learn the exact, I did not know this. And I'm thinking a lot of the listeners might not either the exact origin of the modern guitar. Um, You traced it right back to there. Either of you guys want to speak on uh, where it came from, where it all began.
2: Yes. Yeah. So that's right. So one of the things that we, again, One of these stories that spawns out of control. (laughs) We, (laughs) the further we went, with further we realized we had to go back in time as well. Because, for example, rosewood, which is a a wood which uh, you know, like it's the classic, it's the classic guitar wood, right? Mm. It's on fretboards and on the back of sides of acoustic guitars. And we think of that as being like the the classical design of a guitar, you know, the archetypal design of a guitar. And we were just interested to know again a bit more about the history of that wood and its kind of colonial entanglements. Like, how does this wood that we associate historically we associated with Brazil very strongly. Mm-hmm. Um, like, how did it get into the world of guitar making? And um, at what point did it become that kind of classic wood for guitars? And so sort of peeling back the layers of the onion, as it were, like of the history of the guitar, you realise that there isn't a singular history of the guitar and that mm-hmm. it's a relatively recent thing that sees rows being used in guitars. It's really from the, um, the mid-1700s onwards Whereas spruces and ebony's and other timbers have been used in guitar and violin making for many centuries more. Um, it's a real mongrel instrument, the guitar. Mm. It, it, it took different forms in different parts of the world and had some had double set, four sets of doubled strings and others had sort of harps sticking out the side of the body of the guitar as well as your traditional guitar neck. There are all kinds of like variations of this thing that we know of now as the guitar. But it really settles into being in, in Andalusia in Spain um, in that mid-1700s to late 1700s. And so we had to go there, of course, to try and figure out like, what were the actual stories behind that and what was, it, what was unique about that particular part of the world at that point in time that meant that um, the design of the guitar sort of settled into being, where around its six strings, tuned the way that they are now and with these materials. And it's all to do with the colonial trade, it's all to do with the Spanish Empire, uh, the Portuguese trading system as well that connected through to Brazil, mm. um, and uh, but yeah, we ended up in this kind of like I don't know detective mystery yeah. um, journey to try and figure out where where exactly the rosewood came from, and it has a bit of a a bit of a plot twist to it actually in the book. Yeah,
0: yeah, absolutely. No, it feels like a detective tale at certain times. You're really unearthing, um, you know, a whole lot uh, the whole time. It's really really great. The um, you mentioned rosewood. Um, you know, and there's multiple chapters dedicated to, to different trees that are really well known in making guitars. But rosewood's a fascinating one. I'd like to touch on for a second because it was it was involved in a recent controversy. That I think a lot of people would remember with Gibson um, guitars and uh, in Nashville they actually were raided by the feds, and I think that's a fun story to discuss. And you know, you do point out that it is you know the the most controversial of guitar timbers, and that's obviously to this day. Um, I'd love to kind of hear you touch on the the what happened at Gibson and you know how that relates i think the the um, the industry learned a lot from that too and had to change a lot as well so that's that's a good jumping off point to you know where the, the guitar futures as as well i'm sure we'll talk about soon
2: i hasten to add that i'm not a, i'm not in any way related to the gibson guitar corporation <laughs> my last name being gibson it's a question i always get asked yeah. um the yeah i mean that the you're right there's a lot of controversy around the fact that yeah gibson guitar factories in memphis and nashville have been raided a couple of times by the Mm -hmm. feds over questions around the origins of the rosewood and ebony that had been seized and yeah it's a complicated sort of backstory that's to do with the way in which um timber trading internationally is now regulated so there's a big convention called cites the convention on the international trade in endangered species it's the it's the global legal instrument that protects things like ivory, for example, elephants and um, the trade of ivory. Mm. Uh, and it, it applies now to plants. So trees uh, that are the tree species that are threatened can be listed um, on that and rosewood and ebony and a, a variety of other guitar timbers are now listed oh, on man, that. Yeah. And got, Got a degree yeah, of protection true. because of that, but there hadn't really been any in- domestic enforcement of that in the U.S. Um, until the fateful guitar, Gibson guitar, raids. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the The details of it are important and become quite um, involved. It's to do with the way that paperwork and categories are applied to timber exports and questions around whether those supplies had been uh, procured in a manner from Madagascar um, in a way that was um, consistent with the sort of sustainable management of those forests, mm-hmm. um, so you can get into sort of legal technicalities around that. But really, what's interesting is the way that it sent sh- shockwaves through the industry because yeah. it really yeah. put the industry on notice that it needed to be much more transparent about where the wood was coming from and what kind of impacts um, were involved in its, you know, in extracting it from forests and exporting it.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's great. Yeah, that it, it was towards the end, you really pointed to what, what it did um, to shake up the industry. It was, it's it sounded needed. It's, you know, but I, you know, you do get it. It's frustrating. There's, I mean, a lot of these it's the, with, with guitar makers being um, regulated in the same way that people use a whole lot more, you know, whether it's construction, furniture, paper, you know, I mean, it's, I, I can see the frustration within the industry of dealing with that when they just want a little slice for, for something so joyous too. It's really something else. um we should talk, well, Andrew. You could probably talk to that. I mean, yeah, please, think- please.
3: Yeah, and I guess what what the Gibson raids I think did for the industry was obviously bring a, a sense of public awareness, but also it created uh, a role for kind of experts in being able to ensure that that sort of the supply chain, the procurement of timber, was legitimate. You know, we're doing things the right way. but also increasingly then particularly amongst some of the bigger guitar companies and manufacturers, kind of pushed them to integrate into kind of forestry management. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of important work was done in in skilling up uh, the workforce Mm -hmm. in kind of understanding a bit more about the timber, where it came from, the conditions under which it grows, Mm -hmm. the need to kind of invest back into thinking about the future and and the ways in which uh, a supply of, of this resource can be Kind of shored up for future generations and i think that that's really there's a lot of lessons more broadly for society i think that can come from what the guitar industry is is doing
0: yeah it's pretty awesome it did it stared steered them to actually thinking about where we source more and just you know how that you know needs to be protected in a major way instead of using and taking it's that's it's pretty cool um have to bring up climate change real quick because that's another game changer facing the industry um, I, You know, I think it's fairly obvious to a lot of people how, um, you know, drought and higher temperatures can lead to some higher, you know, more intense uh, uh, fires. But, um, you know, there's specific instances pointing out, uh, pointed out in your book where, um, you know, certain trees that are used for crafting guitars are, you know, under threat because of climate change. And I was wondering if you could talk
2: about that a little bit, What how climate change is really affecting the industry. It's very important look i mean all forests globally are um, exposed to climate change volatility now increasingly um and really the story is that it pans out differently for wet temperate forests on the west coast of canada compared to tropical forests in madagascar or you know subtropical queensland where there are guitar trees that grow as well so there are specific in, specific impacts on all those places, but in certainly in um, in the Pacific Northwest and in, into the Rockies, where a lot of spruce trees grow, that are you know guitar trees. Yeah, um, it's this sort of complex interplay of both warmer uh, warmer weather and more. There, you know, as you say, forest fire risks are accelerated. That mm-hmm. there are all these other chain, the kind of causal effects, these chain effects that happen as well. So, for example. In that part of the world, in the Pacific Northwest, in the Rockies, you've had warmer winters now, which enable beetles and other pests to survive more effectively through those winters. They normally like get killed off yeah. in vast numbers. Mm-hmm. So when the summer hits, like spring hits again, um, yeah. those those pests are, you go really crazy, cool. basically. So you're getting whole kind of like mountainsides of mm-hmm. spruce that are dying as a consequence of that. Yeah. And, of course, the... The, nat- the so-called natural range of those the habitat of those trees will shift as well latitudinally like it, you know you may find that um the um you know the 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 best place to grow those trees will will shift around geographically it'll be further up mountain slopes or it'll be further you know towards the poles perhaps yeah. in different places too so yeah it creates a lot of uncertainty for the industry and i think that you know, that combined with this sort of shape-up after the Gibson Raids has really brought about a mentality in the guitar industry that you can't take the resource for granted. Yeah. That An era in which you sort of imagine that there was a never-ending supply of resource, you just picked up the phone to a sawmill and put an order in and you would receive the materials you needed the next week or whatever.
3: Mm-hmm. That
2: kind of mentality is gone. There's now a sort of sense that um, supply is going to be interrupted. We need diverse supplies. We can't just rely on the same timber from the same place forever it won't last so you're seeing that translate into things like more diverse forms of guitar design um, experiments with um, using um, four pieces to make a top of a guitar or three rather than two which means you can use smaller pieces of wood um, and you're getting sort of you know a real trend towards limited releases and special runs of Mm -hmm tree or you know timber guitars using timber that have come from perhaps rare trees or salvaged trees or these unusual sources so yeah there's a whole kind of mentality change there in that industry and as, as andrew says i think it is actually emblematic of something which we need to comprehend more broadly across society right like yeah. um all of those we've even seen it with the pandemic with supply chain interruptions as well like you just can't take for granted anymore i think that um those smooth sort of supply chains that just we don't even think about that kind of like supply the world with stuff that we need in our lives well that you can't be that can't be guaranteed anymore yeah it's wild you're seeing it across every industry everyone was kind of fat and happy for a little bit
0: and things are rolling and now we're realizing you know that we're you know kind of riding a little too close to the sun and you know it's not it doesn't work that way and it's, it's dangerous it was it was really beautiful seeing some of the um forest management solutions you alluded to a little bit i mean just the the um lester jack and it was uh david kirby who were really committed to this idea of preserving forests just for guitars and there was even a a notice that people in the guitar industry actually using like their private land or ranches close by there's a lot of forest management solutions and uh, also um rebecca and um um, and Murray Goodman, yeah. Murray, that was beautiful, the type of forestry they were practicing. Just, I mean, as very unintrusive. And, I mean, he wasn't even bringing forest uh, equipment in there and stuff. So these, there's a lot of, uh, uh, you know, forest management practices that were really beautiful to see that are playing out in the, the guitar industry. And if you want to talk about that for a little bit, I'd love to hear it.
3: Yeah, that's a great question. And I think what we were really encouraged and excited by, Mike, was the fact that there was a lot of this experimentation occurring. Mm-hmm. Mm. And it was experimentation in terms of kind of accessing land, in forging partnerships between landholders, guitar companies, forest management people that had that expertise and knowledge of of how to manage, carefully manage a a species of trees 50 to 100 years into the future. Mm. And that kind of brought us to another really, I think, important insight, which was often around the the way in which these people approach time, Mm. right? Because obviously the sorts of trees that the guitar industry uses are often growing for centuries, not, Mm. not decades. So a lot of the people that we came across and you mentioned a few there, people like David Kirby, for example, in, in Southeast Queensland, David was, was very committed and very insistent on not just seeing things in a measurement of time across his lifespan. So he he was very much about saying that the work that I'm doing, the effort that I'm going to won't, of course, bear results in my lifetime. And I think there's some great quotes in the book around him kind of saying, what's my lifespan got to do with it? So I think there was a really important series of insights that we gained from these people around the way they experimented, the way they approached things like time, and the fact that their work was going to bear fruit and pay off in another 50 to 100 years. And again, I think that really is something that that we should all heed. That's a lesson that, that many of us could could really heed. And I think it's beautiful.
0: It's a beautiful thing about... Um about trees. And like, there's always that, that old uh, line about, you know, when you plant a tree or plant, you know, you're giving shade to someone you don't, who might not even be around or giving a gift to someone not even around. It's, it's a beautiful thing. It was playing out in the industry in a major way. They're looking out for the future of, 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 of the guitar sound. I and mean, that's, that's so, so important to get a little tree nerdy. It was, I was having a lot of, a lot of fun with like, you know, some of these trees I, you know, I've no, you know, in North America, the trees are very well. But, I mean, there was just some amazing things going on. The bunya pine with the 20-pound cone. Um yeah. you guys, yeah. the Australian mountain. Deadly. Athletes, they can kill you. They can kill you. They football, yeah. Like heavy football is falling from above. and yeah. I mean, you guys must have been at all uh, coming upon some of these. You know, I mean, like you alluded to, Andrew, some of these are just massive trees and old. Well, it's been really fun to, to, to see these, you know, up, up in, in person.
2: Yeah, that was the really special part of it, I think, was to, yeah, to be able to witness the trees. Like, that was the ultimate goal when we started. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Andrew sort of turned to me in the really early factory visit we did and said, you know, what if we could just get back to see these trees? Like, how how could we make that happen? And part uh, of the book, it was, it was really interesting to get there. Um, and But it's also about the people. It's the people and the relationships between people and those trees, I think, that was really special as well. So um consistently our assumptions are always challenged you know you yep. go to a part of the world where you think you're going to witness exploitation and you know awful stuff happening and mixed in with that are these incredible characters who really do care about the future and are trying to um think differently and relate differently to trees and the forest and manage them differently so yeah it was a lot of kind of uh, it was a very humbling experience yeah
0: i bet i bet it was beautiful you could tell you you know that you also had such a the, the guitar and the guitar sound was romanticized a lot. There was uh, a point, you know, someone just described, you guys described the guitar as a means of un, uh, unleashing emotion. And there's just a lot of, you know, a lot of respect for for the different tones that are coming out of different woods. And, you know, I, I love the guitar and, and just the idea of it, It, you know, the industry and and, and its existence being under threat for different reasons was, was daunting. Do you, have, do you guys just to kind of close us down a little bit, knowing the industry so well and all your experiences there, do you have, do you have hope that they're going to try to, you know, get it right? I know there's a lot of outside factors that, you know, are affecting the industry and they're just going to have to, you know, figure it out from there. But um, I mean, you saw a lot of the inner workings you are feeling good about how they're going to steward it for the future generations.
2: Um. Yeah, look, I, I think so. I mean, there are significant challenges that that face the industry, but you do have this sense that the people within the industry who are doing the most to try and rectify some of those challenges are the other are very people whose livelihoods depend on on wood and who, who you know, it's a kind of, it's a strange contradiction, but the people that rely on forests and rely on wood and extracting wood from forests to make guitars, mm-hmm. those experts within factories and within sawmills and in the forest themselves are the very people that are really aware of what those challenges are and are, are very active in communicating with each other and forming relationships and partnerships to try and improve things into the future. So um, yeah, I do remain at the end of the day, hopeful that there's um, we're already starting to see good change happen. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I I absolutely love the book. I just, as I've already alluded to that, I love
0: the idea that the guitar entries could just tell these stories about us, about people, about places about history and it just plays out all throughout the book it's absolutely fascinating i really i really appreciate you guys coming on here and talking about it. i'm thrilled to spread the word about it thanks mike thanks, we really so appreciate you. it